What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the MatchNet Podcasts. It's your buddy, Benji, Bianje, and your sis who has been on this podcast a few times, right? Yeah, I think once at least. At least once. Welcome back, Samara. I just want to say thank you for being here and congratulations. You are going to the blessing very soon. Yeah, on the 15th, February 15th. Very excited for that. In a few weeks from this date of recording. How's everything going preparation-wise? How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel that we have an advantage from other couples that we don't need to plan the whole party. And it's basically planned for us. So we just got to make sure that we have the attire and the airplane tickets and that we have the right heart and right mind. And that's it. So, uh, yeah, the documentations were the most stressful part, but now everything is fine. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. Is this your first time to Korea? No, I've been to Korea before in 2016. Got it. That's okay. the second time. But a lot has changed since I was there. Yeah, there's a whole whirlwind. I mean, you're, you're going to be on an airplane very soon to go to Korea. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it's a lot. So before we get into this topic, I want to preface this subject, which will be, I'm thinking to title this episode, it will be hard to find a match. And this is why. We're going to explain to you why we need to change our expectations on the ease through which we will find a match. And I want to give a very logical explanation for this as well. And I had to ask Samar to be here because you have been through this recently and you've shared some things with me in your own experience that I wanted to kind of highlight here and kind of get your your feedback on this topic. Before we do that, remind everyone, this is the MatchNet podcast, the only podcast about matching blessing. Be sure to subscribe, follow, share with your buddies, your friends, your family, your parents, whoever is in your life so that we can have more conversations like this and help you guys along the way. That's the only reason we do it. Um, yeah. So how did how did we meet, Samar? I know you already did how you and Nori met in a previous podcast episode. So if you guys don't know how they met, go watch that episode. But how did we meet? Uh, I think I met you before you met me. <laughs> Because I used to listen to the MatchNet podcast as well and also Hainu podcasts. So once I was introduced to Hainu, um, it really helped me, especially on times that I was feeling very low and like hopeless. So it helped me a lot. And the MatchNet podcast as well. I don't remember exactly when I I learned about the MatchNet podcast um, but I remember one specific episode that my matching supporter shared with me at the time, uh, Karina was my matching supporter mm-hmm. and she suggested that I, uh, I listen one podcast that was the experience of a girl that took 10 years to find her potential match. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I, I felt like understood through that podcast and from a lot of other podcasts as well. I remember one that I also heard that was about it's okay to have preferences. I think it's one of the first ones. And it also helped me a lot to like have a broader perspective on things. And after that, we met at the tour in Costa Rica last year, right? In July, I think. Got it. Yeah, I always wonder how a podcast is able to change someone's perspectives. You know, if you think about it, it's just information that you're listening to for like 30 minutes, maybe an hour for a long episode. And so can you take me through how just hearing those episodes change your perspective or helped you in the long run to get, to find your match and get blessed? Hmm. Yeah, especially this one, this experience from that sister that took a long time for her to find her match. Yoshie. Shout out to Yoshie. Yoshie. Yeah, thanks for reminding her name. Yeah. Um, I really liked her experience because it was similar to mine, but in a different way at the same time. Like she was also taking, it was also a long journey for her. But one thing that she said that I wasn't really aware of and that I was not doing was enjoying my life while I wait, you know, like. I felt, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me. Why is that taking so long? Why nothing works for me? This kind of feelings would arise from time to time. So 
hearing her experience and seeing like, oh, she's a great candidate. Like there is nothing wrong with her. Why would be something wrong with me? Right. So with that, I, I felt like, even though I wasn't talking to her, but I felt more understood, you know, more embraced, like your situation is not like something out of this world. There is nothing wrong with you. And it can still be enjoyable, you know, this journey. It's not like that's the only thing in your life that you're going to focus and just be sad because you can't find a good match, you know. Yeah. There are a lot of other stuff that you can do to improve yourself and to enjoy life with your friends, with your family, to have experiences that will actually help when you eventually find the one, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounded like, hearing a perspective change your belief about something especially regarding being single right yeah mm -hmm. it didn't feel like the end of the world like oh mm -hmm. especially because i am from brazil right and in brazil usually people not especially but it's one of the the factors uh people in brazil tend to get blessed at a earlier age and i was like already 20 now i'm 27 turning 28 Already but at the time I was your age huh? already forgetting your age. <laughs> yeah. But at the time I heard that podcast, I think I was 25 turning 26. Mm -hmm. And for the people in my community, I was considered already like old, right? Mm -hmm. People would always question me. Oh, why aren't you going to the blessing? Where are the like, kids? Why don't? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This kind of thing. And <laughs> I was like, well, I want to, I'm just like waiting for the right person. Right. And uh, yeah, learning other people's perspective, learning that there are people that were just starting their journey when they were 27. And that's okay. Like there is nothing yeah. wrong with this, you know, that they were taking their time to feel prepared and to take this big step. So it wasn't like the end of the world. I was going to die single as an ant with 14 mm. cats plus, you know, so. <laughs> that's the worst <laughs> that case was... scenario. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so I feel that when we are in that state and we feel alone that we are the only person going through this experience it can sometimes feel like that like oh maybe I'm not going to find someone or I will have to settle down for uh, less or lower my standards lower because mm. um, especially like for me faith um, an understanding of sexual integrity and having a good communication was really important. So a lot of times I would question myself, like, oh, will I have to lower my standards on, on those things? But for me, they were very essential, you know, not um, superficial things, you know? So it would kind of make me even sadder. Like, I don't know what's worse, being alone <laughs> mm -hmm. or lowering my standard and having to live a life that I don't know how it's going to be, right? Because I can only do my own share and hope that the other person will eventually grow and learn and that we can be uh, with similar values and beliefs, right? But that's very risky too. <laughs> very risky path to yeah. follow it. Yeah, and I, I hope to get more into the process you went through to find Nori, your, your husband. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to take a step back to your story a bit because you mentioned through listening to the Yoshie podcast that you felt like your struggles are, um, are okay. And you had a fundamental belief system change, which was correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like it was something along the lines of being single is at my age is not good. And I, and it's lonely, right. Which is kind of a natural feeling, but it shifted to, and it's okay that I'm mm -hmm. single. And, and so it sounded like it freed up a lot of your peace of mind or maybe the urgency and so that you were able to make decisions and see things more rationally and calmly. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you, when, yeah. you, when you said that you, you know, saw yourself uh, as lesser than can you, and I, and I'm asking this because I know you're, you're comfortable sharing this kind of stuff. Um, what, what were the things that you were telling yourself about yourself that were keeping you held back? <clears throat> Mm -hmm. um well i think there is this emotional state that if you were like too low for too long you become depressed or you have a lot of self-doubt 
and it's difficult for you to do stuff to move forward. So I don't think I was in that state, you know, like being low for a long period of time. It was more like ups and downs, right? So um, uh, we would, for example, my parents would reach out to someone, uh, email someone, and then that wouldn't work. And like, I cannot remember how many emails we had to send and how many people we had to reach out. Like people that I actually got to talk to that I started a conversation process were four or five, but that we emailed and that there is this expectation, right? That you start praying about this email and that you analyze the profile of the person. So this can lead to a lot of ups and downs, right? So when like the person would not answer to us or they would take too long to answer or they would just answer with a, a negative answer, that would make me feel like, it's weird to say, but maybe some people can relate to that. It's kind of like uh, the same way that we can believe that God is taking care of us. Uh, we, I think we can believe that we are unlucky, that God is not looking at us. Like we have some sort of indemnity to pay or I don't know what's happening, but it seems like things just don't work for you, right? So um, when someone would would reply to us in a negative way or wouldn't reply at all, uh, I would feel very low. Like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Like maybe it's because um, of my nationality. Maybe it, it's because of my photo. Maybe it's because of my profile. Like trying to dig and find what's wrong, you know. But now I know that people have a lot of different reasons. Maybe someone reached out to them first. There aren't like that many candidates in her in our community, right? So they can be dealing with a lot of profiles at the same time, or maybe they just don't want to marry abroad. It can be a lot of different things, but I would take that personally most of the time, even unconsciously, you know, like consciously I was telling myself that maybe it wasn't that, but unconsciously I would take it more personally. And having the help of my parents, you know, and friends that went through similar stuff would help me see things like, oh, maybe, maybe it's okay, right? So um, I feel that this international perspective really helped because I was participating in some workshops in America and in the US. So like my friends around me, they were all blessed already. And uh, so I would have this mindset like, oh, yeah. I'm 25 and I'm not blessed and people are asking me, so maybe there is something wrong with me. Why is everyone around me already blessed or matched? Um, so seeing that there were people around the world that were older than me that maybe had a blessing that didn't work or a match that didn't work and they were still trying, you know, uh, despite being older. And I would admire those people, right? See their good qualities. So it was easier for me to like think, yeah, maybe just my journey that is different right mm. and i think we kind of talked about this uh, at some point but we also don't know what's happening on people's life that they did get matched right so um, a lot of times like one or two years after they would break the blessing or you would hear that they are going through a lot of like struggles which is normal right i feel every marriage has its struggles but it's not like they're having an easy life right mm. But nowadays, I feel that God is trying to teach us what we need to learn and what we need to improve. And for some people, that can be as a single person. For other people, that can be by living with uh, another person from an early age, right? Um, yeah, so right now I feel, I feel much better. But it was, as I said, a lot of like ups and downs feeling good about myself and oh didn't work then feel bad about myself and then yeah. than that kind of like this so it sounds like you have been on a bit of a roller coaster i'm imagining like a like a bitcoin chart if anyone here follows anything like that it's like in life it looks more like taking one step back and two steps forward or three steps forward it's never linear as in we're just constantly constantly going up but day to day it looks like the same 
where it looks like we're not progressing. But if you look at your life from a year or 10 years or five years, it usually is an upward trend. So taking yourself, Samara, as you are now, which you you feel like you've, you see yourself more accurately and your experience more accurately from what's going on. Do you feel like you can say that your experience finding a match was hard? And if so, why was it hard? Or do you feel like it was normal? Um, I feel that now, I feel that it was normal. When mm. I was in the situation, it felt like hell. Mm. Like nowadays, looking from a... Like knowing, getting to know more people, knowing more stories and how things usually are, it wasn't the worst, you know, like, but for me, it really felt like hell, you know, um, there were times that I, I was very like emotionally unwell, you know, like I did struggle a lot with anxiety and I didn't have clinical depression, but I I had like depressive episodes, right? So I feel that despite the problem you're facing for a person at that moment, it feels like oh, it feels completely hopeless, right? Um, maybe it was a little bit harder than it normally is for the majority of people, but I wouldn't say it was most extreme case I've heard, you know? Um, and I feel that what you said is very true like when you are in that situation it feels like no progress at all like people would always tell me you are going up a mountain and you are going to see the horizon after you reach the peak right but for me it would feel like yeah everyone is telling me that and every time I go up I just fall again and I never see this peak like just feels unimaginable right so it would sometimes feel very hopeless, you know, very like, yeah. yeah, very, very sad. Even my relationship with God would be difficult sometimes because I felt that when I prayed, I would set some sort of expectation on that uh, email or person. So at some point I just couldn't pray anymore. You know, mm -hmm. that was for one year after some time I was like, okay, I will pray without putting expectations and just let God work and not even think about the person because my relationship with God was very, is very important. Right. And luckily I had the, the help of uh, therapy as well. And my therapist was very respectful. So she would like see the things that were important to me and she could see that my relationship with God was important. So she started to guide me in ways that I could still do spiritual practices, but without feeling this sort of like, oh, God is letting me down because things are not working. Yeah, I'd like to also relate this back to our personal growth in every aspect of our lives because you can apply it to matching and finding a partner, but what you just said about not being able to see progress, even though you're clearly growing as a person, really applies to everything. Um, especially in our common denominator, which is our work with High Noon and helping people with sexual integrity, how would you relate this kind of ability to recognize progress and the importance of it with people who are trying to gain sexual integrity? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a weird phenomenon, right? Because for us, that we are mentors and facilitators, it's clear to see that the person is making progress, right? Mm -hmm. That they now can recognize and they can name the triggers they can um they can talk to you faster instead of feeling like uh, horrible for a long period of time and just hiding that so they feel more brave more courageous so it's kind of like since it's not my relapse or my slip up it's uh easier to get distant from that guilt and just seeing the, the progress that has been made, right? Mm. So now, if I put myself in a outside perspective, right, that I'm looking at my situation in the past, it's very clear to see my progress, how I started, like, very, being very naive and arrogant somehow, like, feeling that I knew exactly what I wanted and uh, what were my values exactly. 
but I had to grow a lot to really understand what were my values and who I was and how I could offer and receive grace from people as well and what this growth path meant. So now it's a lot easier for me to see that, right? Um, but when I was in the situation, it just felt like failure, you know, over and over and over again. And at some point you get tired, right? You get like, I just can't do this anymore. And I feel that I relate a lot to having this support system, the support network, you know, because people that are not in the situation, like your parents, your friends, your matching supporter, they can see this progress in a easier way, right? So my dad, he would always praise me. Like I have a very good relationship with my dad and he wouldn't just praise me like, oh, you were a good girl, this kind of thing, you know, but very specific, like you went through this, 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 and that, and you didn't give up. So half of the people I know would have given up by now. So that would give me a lot of strength. Like, okay, I think I'm doing something <laughs> right. So I could like, have this this love despite feeling that I was failing over and over again but my parents would never treat me that way or my friends my brothers like blood brothers right uh so I could kind of like it's weird to say that you're believing what someone else believes about you you know but that was kind of it like okay I love you I know that you love me so Trust. if you're saying that yeah Trust. then I think that's true. Yeah. So that was kind of like the medicine after <laughs> each hill, you know, I yeah. would really need this support and love from people around me. What would you have done differently at those times where you took two steps backwards? When you really uh, felt like you mentioned climbing this mountain, when you're really face, face deep in mud fell in dirt, bleeding on your knees, and you're just at a really low point in this climb, what would you have done differently? Mm -hmm. For sure, I would have offered myself more grace, I think, because as I said, I felt like I was failing, right? So let's say three days after an email didn't work, I would just be very sad and not have energy to do my schoolwork, um, my normal work as a teacher or at high noon, um, I wouldn't have the strength to do things. I would kind of like be in my own head, um, thinking about this and trying to find where I was, like what I was doing wrong. When in reality, uh, if I just like went straight to my parents or to my matching supporter and talked it through and just pray, offer that up to God and say, okay, even if I'm failing, that's fine. I'm allowed to fail, you know, and really enjoyed the things that were happening in my life with my family, my friends. I have a, I feel that I have a very happy life and I had a lot of things to enjoy, right? Um, and we are young. This time is not going to come back. So <laughs> it really changed my mind when I started to, learn how to live and appreciate each day you know appreciate each thing that was happening so i think i would just have let go more of this guilt this like hard um kind of something that puts you down weights you down you know kind of feeling um just tried to let go of this faster not ignore it right i feel that it's important to feel it and to be sad if something doesn't work just be sad for like one day and then move on you know do something else uh because it's not going to help it's not the energy you're putting is not going to make things work better you know and i some point i felt like oh if i worry more about this if i think more about this maybe i find a solution but it's not like that exactly right if you put too much thought in it and you just keep reminding yourself of the times you failed and trying to find the answer for that you just become sadder right when you could be focusing on the things that you actually can do well um and that can be helpful for you 
it's called the shame cycle. It's like when we feel shame about ourselves, which is, in my opinion, one of the most evil things we can do, right? In High Noon, at least, we talk about the difference between shame and guilt, right? We have a presentation on this. Guilt, in essence, is can be seen as like a God-given emotion. It motivates us to be better, to not make the same mistakes. And so when you feel guilt, the it's a quick it's a quick kind of slap on the head. <clears throat> you can imagine like a parent hitting a, like lovingly smacking a child in the back of the head. Come on, you know, don't do that. <laughs> in the butt, smack them in the butt like I do to my, to my son. It's like, stop it, don't do that. And the feeling is like, oh, I made a mistake. I did a bad thing. I'm not going to do that again. Shame on the other, other hand is I am a mistake. I am bad because of what I've done. And usually what follows with that feeling is I am bad is this desire to drown that feeling and to douse ourselves with more shame, more shadows. Because there's two ways to get rid of a shadow, right? You can shed light on it, which is the godly way, or you can cast more shadows over the shadow, which is the second way to get rid of a shadow. And obviously the latter, casting more shadows, just leads to more shame and more guilt and more remorse in ourselves. And so I'm explaining this in a way that no matter what experiences we, we have, we're all climbing this mountain. We all are. <laughs> and we're all going to have times where it's not a linear path. It's going to be two steps forward, one step back, three steps forward, five steps back. But over a period of time, this is why we need mentors, just as you're saying, we need parents, we need outside figures. In other words, God's perspective, that's going to look at us and say, son, daughter, I know it's hard because you don't see what I see. And you have to trust that the path you're on will get you there. You just have to keep going. And that's why fundamentally, it's really important to understand our progress like you've done is because when you can look back a year and see the progress we've made, and then we don't have to worry about it because you have evidence that you're doing something right, right? It's like if you're you know, trying to bench more, do more pull-ups, lose weight, uh, get stronger, whatever it is. If you look back at a photo of yourself a year ago and you say, wow, I, I'm surprised that like, I'm so much more healthy than I used to be. It's evidence in photo that you're doing something right. And all you got to do is keep doing that. And you don't have to say like, oh, you know, everyone else is. And if you, if you are progressing in life and you are still beating yourself up, it, it means you're comparing yourself to something or someone. And it's usually an unfounded comparison. It's usually comparisons to Instagram models or fitness experts or movie stars or whoever, the people that we tend to idolize and view, right? But it's unrealistic to compare ourselves to that because it's like somebody just starting to work out comparing themselves to a bodybuilder. There's no comparison because they're decades ahead of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're decades ahead of you. Of course you're not there. But that's the reality we live in is we're always comparing ourselves to something. So I'm saying this because if you can adequately look back at your life, even a year ago, six months ago, three months ago, and say, man, I've grown in whatever area in my personal development, my matching preparation, my blessing, my sexual integrity. If you can say I have developed, good, celebrate that. Not so you can pat yourself on the back and say, ooh, I did a good job. No, it's so that you can have evidence that you're doing something good and just keep doing that. Because if you ask God, if you ask your mentor, if you ask your parents, have I grown? If they are really looking at you holistically from a bird's eye view snapshot, they'll go, yeah, I can see this trend going upwards. Just keep doing that. And when you take that one step backwards and you fall in the mud, that's when you go, okay, this is that time where I usually spiral into shame. Instead, I'm going to do what Samara just said. I'm going to connect. I'm going to contact someone. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to deal with this emotion of sadness, of loneliness, of depression, of anxiety, of whatever. I'm going to deal with it in a productive way. That's it. That's it. So Samara, if we could take you back in time to, let's say, 10 years ago, all right? You're just kind of starting this journey of considering the matching, blessing, finding someone. What would you have wished you knew at that time? Uh, first, just a comment on what you, you've just shared. Please. Yeah. And when, 
when we are mentoring people, it feels excruciating because you see that they're growing and they're like, I'm not growing, I'm crap, I'm like a terrible person. You're like, please just stop. Like the path is clear. I can see that if you just keep doing what you're doing exactly now, six months from now, you'll be good to go. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can promise you, yeah. you know, but for them, it feels like so dark, so difficult to see. And yeah. Uh, oh, like, it's Satan. It's Satan. hundred percent Satan. Yeah. Satan. I could see myself Absolutely. in that situation. Like it's, right. it was really hard to see that I was, I was growing. It's easy to, to think logically the difference between guilt and shame, but for you to kind of like separate that in your brain, because it's not a rational separation that you do. It's more an emotional thing, right? It's kind of like weird. You cannot rationalize that, you know? So I feel that something that really helped me was exactly like, but I had to be guided, you know, to do that. Uh, but it was literally separating me from the feeling. So instead of saying like, oh, I am a failure. I am bad. I am, I have failed again. I would use statements such as, well, it didn't work again, you know, like it failed again. Like it's not something that it's part of who I am, right? So I feel that this difference is something that you are versus something that is happening to you. It's the key to understand that. It's not that you are accepting your mistakes in the sense of, oh, I'll just keep doing those mistakes. But it's a way of looking at them from a like, distant perspective you know not making yourself your mistake right mm. so if i could go back 10 years um i would have told myself that it wasn't going to be easy i don't know if everyone can relate to what i'm going to say now but i i was very naive in the sense that i i had only my parents perspective so they come from a time where everyone had to do seven years of life of faith. They had to have three spiritual children. So it was kind of like this standard life of faith foundation. And I knew my family. So I thought that everyone had the same level of faith I had. Not that mine was perfect, but I mean, the same values I had because we are in the same community, right? Um, but it wasn't like that. And I had to like, test kind of like test get to know a lot of people to find exactly uh the standard that i was looking for you know the same values as i had um i well people can take this as they they want to take that's my perspective but i i believe that there is a certain there should be a certain standard for you to get blessed, which for me was like believing in your parents, believing in God, believing in spirit world, doing the basic life of faith habits, such as prayer, home to kid, going to church, this kind of stuff. So I thought that everyone was like that, right? Because in my head, that was the minimum, the basic uh, you needed to do. Um, but it wasn't like that. And it's okay. We all have our own journey. We are all growing. So it's not because this person is in a path or in a situation that is not the same as I want, that they're bad or that I am bad because I'm not able to love them enough. Or I would feel a lot like a lot of guilt because of that as well. Like, oh, I'm not capable of loving this person enough. I'm not loving enough. I'm not like I cannot embrace and help this person. So understanding that it is going to be hard. You are going to find people that are completely different. Then you, they have different parents, different background, different schools, different friends, different experience in their communities, all different, right? And it's not about you. And a lot of things that are happening is a mix between their 5% responsibility and your 5% responsibility. So it's really difficult for you to take everything as your fault. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not loving enough. I'm not like a lot of times it's not about you you know um a lot of times it is about you it's also important to uh be aware of that like what are your limitations of like loving someone um and having a broader perspective but 
a lot of times it's not, you know. So I think all in all, I would say it's a very difficult balance. It was a very difficult balance for me to go from being a very black and white person to being able to still be righteous, but offer myself grace and offer other people grace. Because in my head, that was kind of like contradictory. You know, mm. if you are grace, graceful, if you forgive, then you are in the black part. I can say this because I'm black, so no, no racism. You're, you're, <laughs> you became to the yellow, the yellow part. <laughs> you're black. Uh, so I would feel like pretty much like, like this, right? So if I could go back 10 years and tell myself something, I would just say that like, uh, Samara, it's going to be hard. Like you're going to find a lot of people that are going through their own stuff and you are going to go through your own stuff as well. And you're not weaker because of this. You are not uh, less because of this. You're not less loved. You're not less important, less beautiful, less loved by God, less anything. You know, and nor the people that you're going to meet, you know, it's just the, the restoration process. Unfortunately, you're experiencing a, a little bit of this. And that's the heart that God has been experiencing for yeah. a really long time. Right? Thank you, Samara. I would like to take this chance in this podcast to make an official statement to all of our families. And I hope that everyone can listen wholeheartedly to this statement that we're going to make and share it with your family, your friends, because we're having an official expectation change, right? And the ex official expectation change is that it will not be easy to find someone. And I didn't always believe this because I also had the opinion or belief that it should be easy to find people. But actually, it would be extremely hard to find a match with some caveats. And I'll explain why, the exact reasons for this and logic behind this. But first, I think it's important to understand why is it that we have this expectation that it's going to be easy anyways? Number one, there's a perception that it will be easy to find someone because many of us grew up in a faith where our parents, the first generation of our movement, did go through a different matching process through which they went to True Parents Matching with thousands and thousands of other individuals and True Father just matched them and it was magical. It just happened. You went to Korea, you came back, you were blessed. Easy, right? Done deal. So that's a kind of perception that we grew up with, that finding someone in this movement will be an easy thing to do, okay? So that's one reason. The second reason we have this perception is because we grew up in culture where usually our friends who are not in the movement have an easier time finding someone. Why? Because they have millions of people in their pool of opportunity to get married, to, to find a partner with, to get married with. Millions of people. Just take Christians, for example. The pool of Christians in this world is, is massively different from our pool of individuals. And I'll get to the numbers in a second in our faith. So the perception of people around us, the people we grew up with, people from school, coworkers, is that they just have an easier time finding someone, all right? It's not the same case for us. The third reason is because generally, even in our own faith, we have our people, individuals that are getting matched, right? Our friends, our sister, our brother, whoever, all we see is they're single and then they're posting on Facebook, Instagram that they're matched. That's all we see, right? You mentioned this tomorrow a little bit. From our perception, we don't see the behind the scenes turmoil and difficulty that Samara went through, that Yoshie went through, that every single person <laughs> has to go through to find a matching partner. We don't see it. Even if they share, right? Samara, you're here sharing your story. Even though you're sharing it publicly with thousands that are gonna listen to this podcast, we still don't know the actual difficulty that you went through, right? We don't know, nobody knows. So for those reasons and others, it's actually unreasonable to say that it's going to be easy to find some. It's actually going to be extremely hard. Here's why. Let's take our best estimate of how many numerical opportunities there are to find a matching partner, all right? My best guess, the numbers are you know iffy. My best guess is we have about 10,000 people that are around your matching 
demographic age, right? Like in their, let's say you're in your twenties, people in their twenties that are of matching age. Let's say that at max there's 10,000, just for numbers sake, right? So it could be 20,000, right? It could be 5,000. It doesn't really matter. It could be a hundred thousand actually, but let's say 10,000. That's my best guess that are matching age. Now cut them in half because male, female, right? <laughs> cut them in half. So you have 5,000 left who are of general match, matchable, marriageable age for you to consider. Now you have to consider who of these 5,000 people are sharing a similar life mission as you that want to create a blessed family that want to raise those children in the realm of the blessing. And they really desperately want that and share your mission. And they're not just doing it because their parents or someone told them, or they're afraid to not get blessed, right? I don't know. Let's cut it in half again. Let's say there's 3000 people left that are kind of in the general realm of your mission and values. And then you have to find those people because not everybody is going to be actively searching. Not everyone's going to go on a website and say, hey, I'm ready for matching, post on Facebook. Anyone interested? No. So then you have about, let's say, half again, 1,500 people. Optimistically, maybe you have 1,500 people. And then you have to find those people. You know what I'm saying? So the numbers are iffy. But if you do the math, there's only somewhere between like 1,000 to 2,000 people at best that share your vision and your values. And that's where people should stop. But what people do is they say, oh, I'm going to add on a preference, a simple preference. Oh, they have to speak English fluently, right? Sounds innocent, but guess what you just done? You just cut your people in half again, right? You've cut your people in half. And then it's like, oh, now they also have to live in my country, United States, or in my continent, Europe. Okay, well, you've significantly reduced your amount of people. So as you can see, the more and more layers of preferences that we look through a lens of at people of our pool gets smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where it's just going to be almost impossible to find someone. And I'm saying this not to freak people out, but to tell you guys the only reasonable expectation that you all should have is going through those two filters. Number one, find someone of the opposite gender, for goodness sake. Number two, find someone that shares your mission, your values regarding the blessing. That is it. Because everything after that, all preferences after that are a major hindrance to find, helping you find someone. A massive liability to helping you find someone and also for God to work. And don't forget that. And when you do the numbers, crunch the numbers, even do it with 100,000 people. Still not looking very good. I'm saying this, guys, we have to change our expectations because Samara said it from her own personal experience. You will not only have more peace of mind going through the matching process because you will go, oh, this is expected. This is normal, right? It's expected that you guys might talk with dozens of people in a matching process. It's expected that it might take months or years of your life. It's expected. And the second reason this is helpful to have this expectation is because when you do take that two steps forward, one step back. When you're taking that one step back, you can look at yourself accurately and your situation accurately and say, oh, this is part of the process of my growth. This is part of the process of growing, going to the top of the mountain and all I have to do is keep going. But instead what people do is they get stuck there and then they spiral in the shame cycle. And they say, I am less than. Less than. But if you have an accurate God, godly perspective on your situation, you go, oh, this is all part of it and this is okay. <laughs> this is okay. And this is part of my growth and any difficulty I'm going through, I will be grateful for later because I will look back and say, man, I have grown. I'm grateful for that experience because I wouldn't be here who I am today without it. Expectation hopefully changed and shattered for you guys. How does that sound? Similar? Yeah, I think it would have helped me a lot to, to have this perspective in the beginning, you know, because it does lift a lot of weight from you. It's not you that are, that is a failure or that you are doing something wrong. But as you said, it's expected that it's going to be difficult for the a lot of different reasons, as you 
uh, as you were sharing. So that really helps you to not go down that spiral and just feel like, okay, I'll try again. You know, it's probable that I will have some conversations with people. So it's okay mm -hmm. if this one doesn't work. Not to say that you can just say no to people for like whatever reason. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's just that as you shared, that's expected, right? And at some point I was talking to a friend of mine that she went to the blessing and then it didn't work. And she was older than me and she was trying to find a husband, right? And it was like harder for her. Her situation was harder than mine. And But at the time I was talking to her, she was already blessed. And she was sharing to me, like, if you look at this, what you were saying as a pizza diagram, right? Mm -hmm. There is this slice that is 5% of people that are uh, different sex and share the same values and missions that you do, right? Um, so she was saying there are fewer men in this church and even fewer that are <laughs> like the, that share the same values and mission that we have around the blessings. So yeah. the one that prays the most is going to get them. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I just wanted to add this, this thing that I feel that sometimes we, because of this whole concept of indemnity, sometimes we forget to invest in our spiritual practices and to believe that God is going to work through that, that God is helping you and that your good ancestors and the good spirit world is helping you. And I'm not the most spiritual person. I'm very logical and skeptical of things, but I can attest by my own experience that doing conditions and doing things to a point where you feel that this pure world would be moved by it. They would be like, okay, I got to help this person. They're really doing their best. Um, really like made miracles in my life. Like when it came to make decisions about someone, when it came to me having the strength to reach out to friends and families and having this like godly energy to reach out to people. Uh, this was like really key uh, for me as well. So, yeah, uh, all in all, I think it's very important to, as you said, understand that we are in a different time and that things are not going to be so easy as we thought that they're going to be, but there is hope and there's a lot that we can actually do. Well, I think most people after hearing this episode will say, I don't think there's hope. <laughs> so I want to, I want to make an emphasis on something you said. I think what you said is that the people that pray the most will will get them, right? I agree that with that to an extent, but I would say it's the people that are most proactive are the ones that get them. If you are proactive, you have a massive advantage over everyone. Even though it is going to be numerically hard, you have a massive advantage if number one, you're less picky because now you have thousands of people you could get matched to, right? If you're, if you're open-minded. And also, if you're proactive, most people aren't as proactive as, as you think. They're not. Most people are really busy with life and prioritizing school, making a living, going to work, other stuff, spending two to four hours on their phone every day. Like that's that's true. That's a that's a statistic. Just look at your own phone stats, guys, gals, and tell me how much time you spent on YouTube and Instagram this week. It's egregious, actually. So if you remove just something as simple as I don't go on social media anymore, you will have hours of your day back that you can be proactive. And you'll have an advantage because most people don't do that. Most people do not do that because almost everyone is wasting time. So if you're proactive, you will succeed. You can. And if you think for a second, it's like, oh, I can't because I'm this and whatever. It's just beliefs. And go, you have to go through the same process that Samar has been, been, Samara's been talking about of growing, of learning about yourself and seeing yourself ac accurately as God sees you from a holistic perspective. And you can do it. You can. It'll be hard, yes. But not if you are willing to be open-minded and proactive. Yeah, it's good that you brought that up because I was going to talk about this. I was thinking about it, but then I forgot. But that was something that that was a barrier I had to to break. Like I, I had to be really proactive. The 
Just an example, I participated on three 24 pluses. The first one was a very traumatic experience for me because it seemed that everyone had a very different standard than I had. So I was super scared. Oh my God, this community is not safe anymore, this kind of thing. <laughs> but the second time I was like, okay, I'm going to try again. And I, I met the person that I was in a process before, like this weird seven minutes you have to talk to someone you were in a process before so it was like scary as well on the third one was the one i found marie that i eventually uh to him but he didn't have a profile on the website he didn't have a profile on uh matchnet he didn't have any sort of profile i had to find him and i always joke to him about this like yeah luckily you didn't have a profile on the website because then no one else found you. I was the one that found you. Um, and a lot of other things, like, for example, my parents don't speak English, right? So I knew I had to open, like, my perspective and uh, include people from abroad. I was open to Brazilians and South Americans as well, but I needed to, like, you know, broaden my perspective. So I already had a very good relationship with Karina. And that's why I wanted her to be my matching supporter. But besides that, she was someone that knew a lot of people, right? So having her in my team was also like really helpful. Also, my sister-in-law was in a uh, was helping with the BFM in Europe as well. So all of those people, I had to reach out to them. You know, like my parents weren't doing the work for me. Um, not because they didn't want to, but because they couldn't. They, they didn't speak English, so their options were limited. And the same with like participating on church events and uh, even participating on high note, right? Because that's the, the advice that people give on the outside world. Like go to places that you're going to find people that are likely minded, right? So if one of my values was uh, sexual integrity, I felt like, well, maybe it's a good idea to also be part of high noon and to meet people that know people right of course that wasn't my main uh, motivation but yeah it's really having this courage to put yourself out there and it's not i i feel that when we are teenagers we are all embarrassed about everything you know like oh that's gonna be embarrassed people are going to know that i'm looking for someone yes you are so what like you better just do it because then you you find your partner and you have a happy life and yeah. a good blessing than like feel embarrassed and not do it. You know? One of my favorite quotes is is uh, when you're in your 20s, you care about what everyone thinks. When you're in your 40s, you don't care about what anyone thinks. And when you're in your, in your 60s, you realize that nobody was thinking about you in the first place. <laughs> I think it's very true. All right, Samara, is there anything you want to wrap up this whole conversation to give to our listeners? Uh, yeah, I just want to end in a like higher note saying that it's difficult, but it's really worth it. You know, like now I have a partner that we really have a good time together. It's not that we are not going to face any difficulties or that we haven't faced any difficulties, but this promise that God has for us through the blessing it's something completely different from anything else in the world. Like it really is. I, I don't know how to explain. I feel that you have to feel it, but it's something completely different from a normal relationship, you know, that it's not God centered. It's just completely different. You know, the level of safety of trust, of connection, of intimacy, you feel it's really worth this whole work. I do. If you all have questions for Samara, let us know, and we might just have her back on the podcast. I would be happy about that. Join the MatchNet program, everyone, at matchnet.us. Subscribe, follow this podcast so we can spend more time together and y'all can make good decisions. Samara, God bless you. You are loved. See you all in the next episode. Thank you. Bye.